Welcome, film industry professionals, movie aficionados, and aspiring filmmakers. This is your podcast, Cinema Pathways, the unique and only podcast that takes you to the next level of film. Brought to you by Paradoxical Films, Movies on Demand. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Our program today is filled with awesome information and experience from the film industry. Our guests will take you on a journey behind the camera, most importantly, beyond what we know about film. So sit tight, grab a soda and some popcorn, and let's go ride on Cinema's Pathway. Our guest today by Paradoxical Films, producer Juliet Esson, and associate producer Victor Ferreira. Juliet, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Can you talk a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the industry, and what, what you do for Paradoxical Films? I, I started producing since 2016. I started as a movie lover, and I transitioned with time as a filmmaker, and I've been stopping now since then. That's great, you know, following your passions. It's been a bumpy ride, <laughs> but it's been there. And Victor, uh, introduce, can you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got started? Of course, uh, Victor Ferreira, associate producer, uh, assistant director, and writer. Great. So you mentioned uh, you're, a, you're a producer as well, but yes. you also said you're an assistant director. So to the casual moviegoer, a lot of times you see all these credits, see all these titles listed. Producers generally do the same role, but the assistant director in the film industry doesn't do exactly what the title would lead someone to believe. So what does a assistant director do on a film shoot? The assistant director is, is basically the link between the producer or production and the director. The assistant director has to be always on point with everything. I'm talking production-wise in order for the production to flow and always mindful as the producer, but obviously from his point of view, in order to keep everything within that time frame, within the budget, as we producers love to do, which is keeping everything under control. Great. Do you find, as an assistant director, also having that producer mindset really helps you? It does, because it makes you organize in the sense that you know exactly what has to be done. You're always uh, two or three steps ahead of the game, uh, production-wise. And you always want to be, like I just said, that link, that the bridge, if you want to put it that way, between the, the production and the director and that everything is rolling accordingly. That's great. So we all know that, that movie productions are huge undertakings, that even before a film starts shooting, before they turn the camera on, there's a lot of work leading up to that. Yulia, can you talk a little bit about really what pre-production entails and how long that takes and really give a sense of how many moving parts have to be in place before cameras roll? It takes about really very easily three months just to put together to go to the real thing of, of production. And it's everything starts with a script. Without the script, there's no pre-production, there's no production, there's no even a post. So pre-production, it's a, it's a very important part because it's preparation for the actual production. And that's where you make sure you understand the story from A to Z. You break down the script, every single detail, because that script means money and anything is accountable. 
every props, every makeup, that every decision on the wardrobe, every decision set. It is very important to organize everything in every single department to make sure that everything is organized. And money-wise, it's money that it needs to be spent towards the production, but in many different ways. But it has to be done wisely, otherwise money gone, not even moving started. So it's it's a really tedious process, but it's very necessary. Absolutely. You mentioned breaking down the script. I want to turn to Victor, talk a little bit about that. Wouldn't it make sense to just take the script, go and just follow the script and shoot in order as it is? When you're breaking down a script, it implies that you're literally breaking it down to the most essential elements of production. Uh, not only the story of it, but all the elements involved within the production. I'm talking about props. I'm talking about locations. It's a, a necessary process that has to be done because without breaking a script, you're just like navigating through deep waters where you don't know what you're what's happening. So when you're breaking, when you break down the script, it's kind of like when I would associate it as the mariners, you know, when they're in high, high sea and they need to get to the port, they have to guide themselves following the, well, history has shown us through stars or cartography or, or all these other aspects that mariners would use to, in order to get to where they needed to go. So the same thing happens in production. You need to know exactly what you need, where are you going, and how you're going to do it. So that's basically kind of like the overall of the breaking of the script. I don't want to go into the details of it because that would take me more than an hour to explain. <laughs> but it's, that's kind of like the general idea of it. So once you do your breaking of the script, you know the locations, you know, the elements, the actors, everything about it, then you are just basically putting it into a schedule. So you're scheduling what exactly what you're going to shoot, where the crew that needs to be involved, and obviously the talent, which is the most important thing as well, because without talent, you wouldn't be able to have your movie. I think some de some directors will disagree with that, but well, it I was Yeah, exactly. Depends on the type of project. Obviously, it's not the same breakdown if you're doing a music video or short film, a broadcast program. It, it depends. Yeah. Right. And people see in the tabloids that, you know, directors and actors having disagreements and you know, the director saying, I'm the most important person on this film, actors saying, I'm the most important on the film. So I think managing personalities on, on a film set really is, is, another a key part, <laughs> is another key part of both being, being a producer yes. um, and an assistant director. You have really to be helped. a people person to have some kind of customer service skills because you're talking to people with different backgrounds, different education levels, different pathways of life that have different inputs. So you have to be able to navigate those water and to keep it in a common ground that everybody's it's talking and, and getting along the way because it's very hard to be on a set and have it, not this communication, but not having that communication going from one party to another one. So you need to make sure the director understands, the actor understands, the crew understands. The most important thing here is the story that needs to be made. That's the, the, the real hero. But that story is, is built up with people who collaborate. Right. 
and communication is key to make it happen. So um, before you got into the film industry, uh, what's, what's your background? How did you get into this? I got into this uh, because, as I said before, I always been a, a movie lover. And that bug of love for film comes from my parents, especially my dad. And walking through campus, I decided to I discover the film department. And I never dared to, to mention in my household that I wanted to be in films because <laughs> in my household, I'm, I was surrounded from my father's side by doctors, uh, nurses, and they were expecting me to go through that path. And the other side were, they were, uh, my mom is a teacher, so she didn't know what I even like. So one day I said to her, going to school, I'm gonna change the mayor one again, and I'm gonna do films. And she said to me, you chose a career with uh, rich people. <laughs> That's the only thing that I got for you is love, but I got your back and she had kept, and she still do kept her word. And she supported. That's it's awesome. Still so I decided to pursue it because I decided if I'm gonna spend five years of my life, I wanna study something that is worth it for me that I love. So I decided to go for it and I, I have not stopped since there. Yeah, I think pursuit is a great term because it's something that you have to either be fully committed to to be successful or, or not. It's definitely not for everybody. And to be crazy to pursue it <laughs> after your 30s. <laughs> Not even your 20s, though. After your 30s, you have to be crazy to say, I'm going to go for even I go down in the Nile. Even crazier to pursue it after your 40s. Uh, <laughs> yes. Victor, how, how did you get started? My uh, initiation to film began when I was like five-ish. First movie that I saw that kind of like blew me away was King Kong, the original King Kong. That's the first movie I remember seeing um in a theater but the real movie that really hooked me up to say that wow this is what i'm really passionate for that i want to do was star wars 1977 okay. New Hope. That, that hooked me up immediately and from there on it's been a journey been a great introduction we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our guests Welcome back to the Cinema's Pathways podcast. Victor, earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned one of your inspirations for wanting to get into filmmaking was Star Wars, the original Star Wars. And the original Star Wars is often seen as the best example and a prototype for the hero's journey um, as a storytelling uh, device. Over the past almost 50 years since Star Wars come out, do you think that storytellers filmmakers have gotten away from telling the story and the story being the core of the movie for more flashy visuals, CGI, you know, making it more of a spectacle than a story? Yes, definitely that's what has happened, um, I would say, in the last 20 years, if I'm kind of like correct. <laughs> the most important thing in this film is obviously the story with the characters. If the story is not well written with characters that are well defined within the story, then it's basically just a visual or an audiovisual product with spectacles, like you say, of special effects and lights and which basically adds to the story, but it's not the story per se. So yes, there's been a lot of directors that have deviated from the story. They're more towards the visual of it. And uh, basically that's what we've seen like a lot of Hollywood productions where there's 
millions and millions of dollars put into it but it's more focalized towards the marketing of the movie than the story per se so the hero's journey is absolutely lost um you have just uh, a film that yeah it's fun to watch but does it build towards the storytelling of it mm, i don't think so so it like i said good films are those that begin with a good story and with good characters. That's great. And and especially, like you said, the last 20 years, things have really changed. And it, it brings us back, back to a point Julia made earlier about independent filmmakers having more flexibility and using smaller budgets without uh, being able to, you know, do the special effects and CGI, all that really high te- tech stuff. I would think that it goes back to really how important the story is. So being an independent filmmaker, how does it benefit you from being able to really focus on the storytelling part of the filmmaking? I'm not thinking oh, the millions of dollars can do for the story. I'm just focused in the story. Within the knowledge that I have and, and the uh, group of people that I work with, that I do collaborate with, it's not only me. It's a village of people putting their ideas together to make the story thrive. And that's what makes it together. I don't know anything about makeup. I hardly know how to do my own makeup. But I know that somebody special in makeup, like a wonderful Mike Malone, where mm-hmm. I talk to him like, can you make this person look beautiful for this script? And he makes it shine and flawless, really bad for the character made needs. But he's the one with the skills. So I'm using his skill, his knowledge, for the greater good of the script. So I'm using everybody's skills to make the, the movie shine. Mm-hmm. It's not only me. I could give one a small idea, but I'm not the whole brain. I'm just a spectacle of that collaboration right. and, and to make the magic come together. That for me makes the story because a group of people who know how to work together to put the story together, regardless if you have a million dollars or regardless if you have just mm-hmm. whatever you're able to afford in your pocket. That working union makes it everything. Make it look like a million bucks, actually. And, and you, you brought up Again, some great points. As a producer and as associate producers, um, people come to you with ideas. People come to you with with pitches. What is it? What do you look for within a script or story or treatment that would make you say, "Yes, this is a film I I want to make." All the stories have been done, but I strongly believe there are stories that has not been told, and it is not has been told. It's the way you say the story, the way you made that story together, because the story can be done 10 times, but it can be done different 10 times. And it's the same story, but it's done differently. So what makes one story stand up for another one is the ways that are being told, the ways that are being shot, the ways it's being communicated, and that what makes it unique. It could be the same. I have seen a lot of remakes. I love this remake, but the other ones are horrendous. But there's one remake that stands. Why? Because it was done properly. It was faithful to the story. And it was done very in a, in a style that is very different. That makes it a stand up. How many uh, stories about Nazis have been done? Children's mm-hmm. list stands up because mm-hmm. the way it was done. So that story that makes it so unique from many other ones. And the other ones are beautiful. And they're done really artistically. But Children's list always stand up because the way has been done. So basically the approach of the director and the script writer for the script and to be true to the story. Once again, I go back to the story and the hero's journey. Many filmmakers, they want to be innovative. 
they forget the rules of the game. And the rules of the game are the rules that are laid out of the hero's journey. If, if, if you create a universe, you must stay within the parameters of that universe. That's why we've had a lot of films that they've already had their story told and laid out, but then another director comes with another vision and another screenwriter comes with another approach to it. And then they forget the essence of that story that was originally laid out with the rules of the hero's journey. One of the most um, examples that we can go and refer to is Star Wars. The original Star Wars written by George Lucas has, and like you said, it's the pinpoint, the blueprint of the hero's journey, unfortunately has been retaken by Disney in a different way. And this is what basically we've seen uh, with these, with the new uh, trilogy that they came out with, the sequel trilogy, which totally broke the rules of that hero's journey and the rules of the universe already created by George Lucas. So. Once you do that and you go out of the parameters, that's where flaws begin. And obviously you have, they're, they're not true to the story. Like Juliet says, it doesn't matter how your vision is, but it's how you approach it in order for that story to be true, right? Because at the end of the day, we all want to watch a film, right? To have a good time, but it's more than having a good time is to understanding what you're seeing. Right? Because if I'm just like watching images pass pass by, well, technically I might have might as well like watch a a, a video a video clip or uh, some experimental film mm -hmm. where I'm just like watching images go by to see how I would react to those images. But I guess the like the the majority of us who really love cinema, we want to see that hero's journey. We want to see the struggle of that hero going through all he has, the, the turning points, and obviously at the end of the story, a, a conclusion, a resolution, which doesn't have to be classical Hollywood film ending John Wayne going into the sunset with mm -hmm. a beautiful woman and he is the almighty God. No, it could be a, a dark comedy. It could be whatever the case might be, but we do want to have that structure and to follow that structure of the hero's journey. That's great. And and you do some writing yourself. Yes. 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 What what's your inspiration? What kind of stories do you like like to write? Well, since since I was 5, always I've been inclined to science fiction, horror, fantasy. Those are kind of like my realms. So I I write within those realms. Uh but obviously through my experience as a writer and a filmmaker, look into other options, not mm -hmm. saying that that's not good. You could also do that. It's, but once again, like I say, it's the way how you approach it. Uh, now that we're talking about that with Juliet, right now on the pre-stages of writing a comedy as well. Yes. Uh, about uh, two baristas that during the day they're working doesn't have to be Starbucks, could be like any cafe, but that's their day job. And then at nighttime, their double life is being that struggling of trying to get into the Hollywood and turbulations and conflicts that they have to go through. So that's kind of a new approach for me, comedy. I, I worked with the director, Dean Alexander. 
he works a lot with with comedy he's also the director of of the film that Juliet was also the producer for uh Rose of a Rio mm -hmm. yes. which we worked uh that was a drama a drama action mm -hmm. and uh he works with comedy and when I worked with Dean I was kind of like surprised but can I can I be able to approach comedy hmm. I'm not sure if I would be able to do so because I was more so well, I've always been science fiction and fantasy and monsters and many mm. ideas that come to my head that uh, basically they come from dreams that I have. I just wake up mm. in the middle of the night, write things down on a piece of paper, and then go back to sleep. Or just basically I could be like watching a film and then boom, another idea pulls up into my head like, wait, wait, what if I would have been the writer or the director of this film and then I kind of like approach it this other way. What happens if the hero wouldn't have gone to the bathroom? He would have taken a shower, or maybe he he would have heard the phone ring, and then mm -hmm. he runs to get to answer the phone, and then a, a banana peel on the floor, and he falls. So it's the way, kind of like those mm -hmm. other options. But yes, uh, writing is really creative and a fun way of 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 approaching that story. And I've learned that not only since I began film school, but like with all of the other experience with, that I really do appreciate the amount of directors that I've collaborated and worked with. Mm -hmm. For example, Freddie Rodriguez, creative director, writer. I, I love his style of, um, screen, of script writing, his approach. And but right now we're also working on uh, on a TV pilot, right, Juliet? Yes, we're in developing on a TV pilot on the Maze Legends, uh, Evil Unveil, Episode One, Evil Unveil, and we're in that development stages right okay. now. Okay, great. And and you mentioned your uh, your comedy you're working on about the two baristas are actually struggling actors. It made me think of one of my favorite movies, Swingers. Oh. <laughs> uh, written by, written by, by, by John Favreau. And, and you know, it's, it's again, it's his hero's journey. Uh, there's an arc and you talk about careers evolving for a long time. You know, he was part of that, that independent film renaissance of the nineties that gave rise to Tarantino mm -hmm. and all those, but Favreau more than anyone really made the leap from indie darling to now he's, you know, the main man for Marvel and Disney created the Mandalorian you know, Star directed Wars. the Star Wars, created, you know, directed the first Iron Man. Uh, and on the other side, he, you know, created, you know, the most recent holiday classic, Elf. Um, yes. As, as well. So it's really an interesting story. So you gave, you both gave some pretty good examples of where films have gone wrong lately. What are some good examples, you think, or what are some really good films um, that you recognize as filmmakers, you know, but that are that are also commercial that people would recognize that you would say someone, you know, if, if the way the way we all grew up, you know, watching Scorsese, watching Capra, watching you know, the Sergio Leone Westerns, uh, John Ford to really understand filmmaking, who should today the next generation of filmmakers pay attention to? In your opinion, John Favreau? Yes, yes. Yeah. But I think he's a director who really broke a lot of barriers using that today's technology and presenting in a way of how film not only 
the way film should be done, but how film can be uh, presented, uh, communicated through the story, because he used it in a way that is very unique with the help of technology, mm-hmm. but it really take advantage of, of all that wonderful, really amazing that makes it look those films and, and series that he has done in DC in a way different level completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like he's he's one that's been able to kind of stick to that story, to that hero's yeah. journey. I mean, I mean, The Mandalorian really uh, was a Western, was is a space Western, you know, and takes a lot of the, the tropes uh, and characters that you find in, in the old Westerns. Uh, and, I, and I think that really added to it, to its broad appeal that some of the other series have, have really been missing um, yeah. on that. What about, what about you, Victor? Anyone today that really stands out to you? Uh, besides John Farrow, Christopher Nolan, uh, Jordan, Jordan Peele, uh, the approach of Jordan Peele. Wow. It's like what he did with, with, uh, his films is innovative. Right. And then other, there's a lot of other directors that obviously they're from the Korean side, mm-hmm. uh, yes. like the director of Parasite. And then there's also very good directors, European directors that uh, here in the United States you don't know much about, but they're really good into writing. Uh, I invite filmmakers to look not only to the Hollywood Spectrum, spectrum, Mm -hmm. but also to the worldwide cinema. Uh, There's a lot of directors out there uh, uh, from Finland, Germany, the Netherlands that they're writing. Like uh, the other day, I was um, amazed with. I I like a lot of science fiction and and fantasy. And the other day, I was watching several films that were made in the Netherlands, and wow, they were like Hollywood quality. The acting was incredible, and with and with with British British actors, which mm-hmm. kind of like also blew me away. Right for me, I, I would I would outstand those those three mm-hmm. directors. There's a lot of directors out there, but in the creative approach to it, those would be kind of like following the guidelines of the already classic directors that laid them mm-hmm. laid that out, like Orson Welles, Alfred Hitchcock. John Ford, even even Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, and the list goes on. Mm-hmm. And again, this generation, they have such a benefit by having all the streaming networks, having mm-hmm. YouTube, that they can really explore and discover the foreign, the foreign films, the foreign directors that's coming in. When we grew up, we had to. The only chance you had to see a, a foreign film was in an art house movie theater that some may have been 20, 30 miles away depending what you lived at so i think the this next generation of filmmakers that are in high school and college now really have a lot more uh exposure and can get an education outside the classroom really just just watching movies but also understanding them they have to explore other type of cinemas I mean, United States is not the only country who makes cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, India makes cinema yeah. more than everybody else. That's right. And so I strongly believe they should watch cinema, for Asian cinema, uh, Arab cinema. They should exactly. watch Latin American cinema, which is really, really good. They should watch all type of cinema because they all have stories. And not only any story, they got juicy, stunning stories. 
They are done in many, many different ways, and they are nothing to envy to Hollywood because Hollywood was just only one section of the continent or mm -hmm. in the film industry. Right. It's not the only one. Right, and with budgets that mm -hmm. you would, you're kind of like surprised that maybe it's like five or three times less than what a Hollywood production would be. Mm -hmm. But the story is so juicy and palpable and they and it's all laid out with the arc uh, mm -hmm. of the hero's journey that you say, wow, this is incredible. I really didn't know that a movie produced in the Netherlands or like Juliet says in Korea could be so uh, attracted and you feel passionate for it. Then you say, wow, this is kind of like what... Me mm -hmm. as a filmmaker, I want to do. And Great. I'm just sorry to bump you in the conversation, but for example, I watch I, I watch Indian movies and the quality of production. It's amazing what they put there. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, not just only in their colors, on their clothing, and their culture, but it's the quality of production that they put. And I'm talking from the uh, from the perspective as as a producer, the production of quality that they put. Is really mm -hmm. tremendous. Nothing to envy. And I mean, the same go for South Korea. The same phone stories done in Argentina. The, mm -hmm. And even Mexico, that their mm -hmm. quality productions are really done. Or like, Brazil. Or Brazil, right, that right. is really tremendous. Yeah. In and, any genre. Right. And even going, going back to Star Wars again, a lot of people probably don't even know or realize the lightsaber fighting in, in Star Wars is taken right from uh, Kurosawa. In, in Japan, I mean, exactly. he was really the the creator of, of action movies that that's come to the United States. In in that, and and a lot of uh, you know now now people are more exposed to. But but you know, to me, when I was growing up, uh, I won't say say what decade. You know, you're lucky to maybe catch catch a Kurosawa film on a late night uh, cable here and there, but definitely weren't able to to educate yourself and really learn about it the way they are today. Right, no, exactly. That's what I was, the other day I was uh, talking with uh, my good friend, the director, Freddy Rodriguez, and with Juliet. I was telling them about an experience I had back at, at AI, the Art Institutes, when we had a class of film history. We watched the, precisely the movie Hidden Fortress of Akira Kurosawa. And once that, the first five minutes laid out, everybody was surprised and saying, Wow, damn, this is Star Wars. But mm -hmm. they don't realize that George Lucas got inspired of Kurosawa exactly. and the Hidden Fortress in order to do Star Wars. Exactly. So those Blues with you know, movies were, were translated. A Japanese, right. the Seven Samurai right. to his. Right. And every, I think the biggest testament to a filmmaker is inspiring the next generation, the way Kurosawa inspired. Lucas and Spielberg and just, you know, the way Scorsese, uh, Scorsese is a big inspiration of Tarantino mm -hmm. on that. And I think that in the industry, we all love the history. We all, love, we all love looking back on it, but we also want to look towards the future. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the future. Welcome back to the Cinema's Pathway Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Brand. We're joined today by our special guests, uh, producer Juliet Eson and associate producer Victor Ferreira. One of the things that I hear a lot of people say is the reason they want to get involved in the film industry is that no two days are ever the same. Oh, uh, no. 
with that in mind, can you talk about what a typical day was or has been on a production that you've worked on in the past? Um, I'll start with you, Leah. Oh, thanks. Uh, listen, every day is totally different. Everything that you have in the script is totally different from that breakdown. So it has to go in different directions. So for me, it's been trying to put everything together. That the departments have the props right. Makeup artists have their equipment that they need. That the sound have everything they need because the producer makes everything happen. It's a solution. Uh, it's a problem solved. Is is there one production you worked on in the past that really jumps out as you that was either really really challenging to get through or almost the opposite one that really clicked for you that this is this is what I should be doing. This is well, how I know my job. The first one that I did was Locus Estes, and that was one day shoot, and it was my first experience. And then my friend and colleague director and I decided just to shoot it, and to make the the process simple. We decided, okay, two characters, one set, one story, so it will take us one day. So we shoot eight pages in one day in the same place, at the monastery, Spanish monastery, and it was awesome. But as we were doing it. I look everything was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> everything that I worked so hard for the past almost a year is being transformed in front of myself. And uh, my parents helping me out. I have colleagues from school just coming from school directly to the center and going back to school to continue their daily day. And for me, it was awesome to see the magic transformation from the paper to the actual screen from the camera being there being shoot through the whole day it was amazing it was a thrill that it was like gosh i, I, love, I need to do this <laughs> i love that phrase that you use like seeing the magic happen when it comes from just words on a paper to actually being filmed on a camera then seeing it on the screen it's a it's a, it's a special magic. experience it is that victor um same question are is there anything that really stands out in your mind as a, as a typical typical day on production a production that really um, either worked really well for you or or didn't and the challenges that, that you had to overcome? Well, I would follow what Juliet um, was regarding to, that depending on the project, it makes basically the task or easier or it might be a little bit more challenging. Like I said, it depends on the project. If it's a short film, it's different from a feature film. I also work as an assistant producer for In-N-Out Productions. We do commercials. So when you're working with commercials, it's also another type of approach than to films. But at the end of the day, if you're producing or you're assisting the director, you're basically following that, that guideline that's already laid out, which is not only the, done through pre-production, the breaking of the script, uh, doing all the shooting boards and and all that, but it's also having in consideration the organization of laying it out the day of the production shoot. So so yes, there are days that are more challenging than others. The good thing is that every project you encounter, it's a new learning experience. Learning experience because every project or every film or every commercial or every music video, whatever, audio, video production, a medium that you're working in is a new challenge. So that background allows you to kind of like get into 
what you more or less know, right? For those who movie lovers or let's say professionals that are interested or are beginning right now studying film or in film school, just focus your career towards what you feel more passionate about doing. I'm saying this because at the beginning of film school, we all say, oh, I want to be the director. I want to be the producer. I want to be the cinematographer, right? Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's important just for education of it when you're beginning is to kind of like begin to learn each of the aspects of each of the departments of film. And then whatever you really feel you have more of that passion towards and also not the passion but also the ability to do it if it's writing or behind the camera or directing just focus on that so that way you already have a path laid out so you can basically have things kind of like structured when you go out into the professional world uh, but yeah like i'm saying every day is a different task every day is a new story assuming that task but with love love towards what you do love towards the film and have fun okay and and you brought up some great points and it's actually a great lead into what was going to be my next question um for people uh that want to get into the film industry mm-hmm. the most traditional normal path is they're told go be a pro- go be a production assistant on on a film even if it's a small shoot uh, go be a production assistant but there's the you know the stereotype and the war stories out there that all oh, all production assistants do is get coffee and and be just a uh, a punchy board uh, for for uh, you know the producers or the directors or even even the crew um, can you talk a little bit about what you know, if you've worked, if you've had production assistants on your sets and really um, how they how they serve a uh, really a vital role, kind of filling in gaps and really supporting um, the crew and how it really is an, an important way to get into the industry. It is very difficult, but it's not impossible. But also to, with today's technology and, and the openness of the industry of, of different tools that are created to make for us filmmakers or independent filmmakers to make a breakthrough. Let's say this, we're more flexible because today you can shoot with your phone, but if you want to be in the real world, you have to be humble, but also to be certain of what you want and not to be afraid that you may deviate from one responsibility to the another one. In the long run, you're going to get there to the position that you really wanted to do when you have not only the skills, but also the, the, the sense of responsibility and to manage it with the professionalism that it deserves, that craft, okay? But do not be humbled if you start as a PA, serving coffee, at the end of the two weeks, you may be helping the assistant director. So be humble for your beginnings. Don't be arrogant from when you started. Keep it humble through the process. Enjoy the process and until you reach your ending line and still be humble in your ending line because you don't know who you're going to be helping or working with along the road, that it could be your associate producer or your business partner in the future because nobody has an app in in their forehead where they will be ending. But you will discover that through the journey when you're working with people, different paths like that. Today, they're doing one thing, but the next day they're doing something different. And maybe two days later, you guys are doing business together because the way you... uh, the chemistry of the work that you guys work 
are able to communicate mm-hmm. it with each other so are able to to let it out and make it work in a very professional way and artistic as well yes definitely i would like uh it's very important and definitely the the production assistants are the, the are part of the of what the production needs and they're very important as well as any other department of production it, we can't say oh it's it's just the camera department and then you're not taking consideration all the other departments production pas are definitely necessary for the production to rule out so looking at at pas as the stepping stone no no not not not, not at all the pas is yes i would say they're the 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 beginning of the production and they're necessary for the for everything to go smooth right uh you uh, or actually people think oh no but it's just the director uh, right but it's every every part of those those Uh, crew members is what makes the production very important and uh, at the end of the day the whole production is a well-oiled machine if any of those pieces of that well-oiled machine gets into a small uh, disadvantage or entanglement then the whole production goes down so it's not just that Oh, it's just the director, or oh, it's just the producer, or or the cinematographer. No, it's from the executive producer up to the lady who is doing the catering. Everything has to be in conglomerate for it to work. Okay, how how large or how small are the crews that you typically? work with i know that like you mentioned the technology and the flexibility there's people out there that are one man you know one person shows they shoot edit and do everything on on their iphone to the opposite end of the spectrum a huge studio two thousand people credits that we sit through because there's a there's a mid and, and end credit scene but generally you know on the films you were you work with smaller um you know smaller you know I, I you know, use the term micro budget films um generally how many people are, are on your cruise well the first crew that i had it, um, it has almost 20 people in the last shoot that i did in done retribution and i'm really really proud of it it i had almost 40 people in that shoot roughly 35 or i say almost thir- almost 40 people because it changed the number from day to day but basically i almost reached almost like 35 people like a weekend was like oh shoot mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and there was comedy movement and it's not only from one corner to another it was from so grass to here to miami and that's like right. uh, i don't know 20 miles mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was it was a, a circus but it was worth it but what i say is that it is very important to have cons- uh, consideration and, and and help each other it doesn't matter if you're sound it doesn't matter if you're catering if you have to help each other because this is a village of collaborators of doing one thing in common is to make this move a movie happen and it, it, it requires an amount of people to make it work and all across the board it is necessary to talk to each other 
to get along and to make it a function and not to get crazy. Not to get crazy. I mean, not because the food is great, you're, you're going to go crazy and ballistic on the gallery. <laughs> no. Everybody has to eat, but everybody has to work. And everybody deserves to have fun as they do their work. Right. Because it's a, it's a long day of 12 hours of work. So let's, let's have fun as we do it. And I think this also brings us back to your role as a producer and your role as associate producer and assistant director. Um, how much goes on behind the scenes to keep a production running, to make sure... Things get done even, you know, while they're shooting, you may be chasing down extras who are late or, um, you know, you know, how come the camera batteries aren't are in charge? Um, or even, get, keep, get even keeping people awake. Keeping people awake. I have a, look, I have to say this anecdote. I was shooting Dental Retribution in Wynwood. We were doing the scene on the street. And it was, that day we decided to shoot from 9 a.m to 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. the following day. That was from Friday to Saturday, 12 hour shoot. And it was around 12 something, and some people were falling asleep. I went, I mm. went inside one of the, the, the places, the student room, maybe in Florida, to do some Cuban coffee. <laughs> and, and I told my father, my father, pass some Cuban mm. coffee around to make like, people wait, <laughs> because it's necessary. But I was so proud because I, there was a scene that we were shooting there and the actress has to cry because her brother died and my director was speechless was like look i got goosebumps look how she's acting he was it was impressed of everything that we had worked so hard it was unfolding in front of our eyes i couldn't even believe it that it was happening but it, mm -hmm. it, it's the magic that I, I'm chasing as a producer to make to see to bloom in front of my eyes and it's amazing but it, it's, it's a hard work. It's a hard work. Everybody has to do it, their part. It, and and it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a community work of collaborators. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to say that they have to do it. To, and to make it a, with respect. And, and be proud out of it. Right. Make, to be proud of, of that craft they're doing. Because that's their time, their effort. And, and they're, they're there because they love to do films. So it's, it's very something very important that to make sure that to keep the everything because producer does that everything pulling that to make it happen from one side to another one to make sure their mic is not working run to make it happen to mm -hmm. have that mic to be functioning for you yeah. there's no battery got some beer to get some battery there's me eyes mm -hmm. somebody need to get the eyes i even got to get the eyes yep. but to make sure that everything run smoothly to make it a goal Enjoyable because at the end of the day, look, we, that day we ended up shooting around 9 a.m. in by the bay in Biscayne, I think it was. And we, I, I was like, I can't believe I did a shoot of 12 hours from one day to the other to the next one. And it, it was like amazing. We even saw the sun coming rise up. The director was fantastic making sure the direct the, the Italian deliver the lines and, and it was amazing. That's it great. It was really fun day. I, I, I could hear the excitement coming from you when, when you talk about it. just think about that. It is, uh, it is. And, yeah, that's the comfort of doing your job is to see how the the movie that you longly for days, weeks, months, even years have laid out and in some days or even some weeks 
you're already having this 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 baby that you created being laid out and i'm not saying that doing production is easy all productions are going to have uh, a certain difficulty but it's how you assume that difficulty and how how uh, what options you can offer and in the best way possible in order to keep those um to keep the production running smoothly within a certain budget right uh and it doesn't matter if it's like now that you're mentioning a uh, type of uh members it could be from productions from two three or even one person like you said crew to 100 500 people even thousands of people working on a film so uh it's how you assume it and what what experiences you can lay out for that new project that you're you're working as the assistant producer or the assistant director and uh for example now that um juliet's mentioning dawn of retribution we were working on that project i was helping uh as the second assistant camera and like juliet was referring yeah it was more than 12 14 hours of of, of workday shoot but then uh and like what people don't see behind uh the scenes is that that's that madness, but it's kind of like that love for the madness, mm -hmm. right? That you assume it, you offer your best way of assuming that conflict, if you want to put it, or laying it out in order to have your movie. That that time when we were at, at Biscayne uh, Bay with Juliet, I saw her face and she was just like relieved once. Mm -hmm. um, we finished, and it was like seven in the morning, I we guess. Finished, I at, we finished at eight thirty in the morning eight. in the parking lot, and we were about to be kicked out of the parking lot of the church. <laughs> and we were so into and the movie. Nobody, nobody <laughs> even ate. They just grabbed whatever they could. I even brought chairs for my school to have people sit down. To be able to eat with comfort because I I wanted to train my my crew as my family. That let's be real. I I don't mind feeding you. I don't mind helping to get stuff. But I want to make you feel comfortable that you're working. Not not that you're working for us. Now I want you to feel that you're collaborating with us. So I'm providing as as much as I can all the comfort things that I could provide for you, like a chair. If you'll be sitting holding the mic or the boom the whole three or four hours through the whole night, I want you to sit down and rest. And people so blown away of the sun coming up, smelling the breeze of the sea because we're by the bay. And they were just standing, looking the sun up and saying, and I keep on coffee, have bread and breakfast, they're ready. That, that. And they're just looking at the sun and, and mesmerizing, shooting the scenes of, of that we had doing at the bay. And it was amazing how everybody behave even that the people who are running down the street they're stopping around looking at us as we're shooting <laughs> and, and it goes back to what you said earlier that it's it's really a commitment it is a commitment. um you know it's not for everybody but for the people that it's for it's really um it's really really a uh you know the joy of their life it um is. and take 
I don't want to say it takes over their life because you do want people to have work-life balance and still have a life mm-hmm. outside. But but for those shoots, like you said, it becomes your family. The crew becomes your family because you spend so much time with them. No, to the point like Julia was saying, like that day when we were shooting, finished shooting, and then like physically everybody was like there and they wanted to keep on like working and working. And then like Julia said, well... Well, what do you what do you guys do here? Like go home. Yeah. You get me? <laughs> yeah, but we usually when we finish working, we spend three after we we were talking about what we did. And we spent three or four hours just talking what we did, what we can do better for the next coming uh, shoot. And after that shoot, we had we decided to rest, and we will come mm-hmm. to to continue on the final shoot mm-hmm. the following day, which is Sunday. But everybody was like, uh, okay, <laughs> we need to go because the people, the parking it's, of the church were kicking us out. It's a relief, but then at the, at the end, end, you know, after the final shoot, it's a relief you're done, but it's also sad because, you know, you may not see people yeah, again see. for a little while. And, and like I said, it's, it's a family. Um, this is really interesting, really fascinating. You both have really uh, peeled back the curtain and given a look of what goes on behind the scenes. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some deeper topics, talk about the state of the film industry today and maybe what the future looks like. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cinema's Pathways podcast. Our guests today have been Juliet and Victor. I want to thank you both for the great information, the great stories, uh, really the great insight into what goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, we've talked a lot about what you've done. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're currently doing. What are your current projects you're working on? And if our, our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Absolutely. Um, right now, I'm working in four different projects in development. Now, one of them is a TV pilot, The Maze Legend, uh, Evil Unveiled. And the other three projects are um, feature films. And they're called uh, Mia, um, New Dawn, and The Cover Soul. And we're working very, very tirelessly to make those four projects to make it happen. Great. Sounds like you're really busy. So thanks yes. for thanks for taking the time to uh, to be a guest on our on our pod today. Absolutely. Victor, what are you working on? Same projects as Juliet. I'm the associate producer, so just like Julia mentioned. Uh, the Maze Legends Evil Unveiled TV series pilot. Also, Mia, The Ascension of an Angel, Covered Soul, and A New Dawn. Great. And where where can our listeners get in contact with you? And where could they find out more information? It would be victor.ferreira at paradoxicalfilms.com or to our, ba- our website, www.paradoxicalfilms.com. Yeah, they can also reach us at info at paradoxicalfilms.com. Great. So again, want to thank you for joining us today. Also want to introduce our director is Mike Maloney, who's been running the show behind the scenes, keeping everything going. This concludes our podcast. Next week, we'll have another exciting guest. Stay tuned to uh, follow us on social media. We will see you next week. And to our listeners, thank you again for joining us on the Cinema's Pathway podcast today. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Our director is Mike Maloney. Our producer is Juliet Esan, along with associate producer Victor Ferreira and executive producer Freddie R. Rodriguez. 
We'd all like to thank our guests. This has been a presentation of Paradoxical Films. Please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. You can also leave any comments or suggestions for future episodes. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Watch out.